Honey Hush, episode 29. We've got all the girls back in the studio today. Elizabeth, Michelle, and Lacey are all going to be answering crazy questions. We're fixing to figure a little bit out about everybody more than you may even want to know. So hang tight. Let's see what they got to say. Welcome to Honey Hush, the podcast for up and coming and established leaders alike. Every week, we discuss how to win influence with one simple strategy, kindness. Whether you are a successful entrepreneur or still in the dream phase, Honey Hush is for you. Now, here are your hive hostesses, three Southern businesswomen who know a thing or two about using honey to attract the bees, Lacey, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Hey, everybody. We are back with Honey Hush. We are all in the studio together this morning, and we're a little excited about it. It's been a little over a month since we were together for absolutely anything. And so for episode 29, myself, Michelle, Elizabeth, and Lacey have come together to do something really fun for you all today. What is up, ladies? Hey. Hello. I mean, who doesn't like a lightning round? You know, and like, we don't even know what the questions are. Mm -hmm. Michelle's the only one that knows what the questions are. She's got a compilation of things that we ask for on social media, things we ask for like privately and publicly. But anyway, she's got the questions. She's called out the ones that we're not going to use, and she's got the ones we are going to use. Lacey and I are just the victims. However, we were, we, we will turn this table on you. It's going to be your turn. Maybe. That we will. <laughs> we'll see. So I'm really excited to ask you all some of these questions. Um, I love the perspective of – just giving y'all only two minutes and seeing what you think. And y'all are going to have two minutes, like, collectively. And y'all, it means you, too. Okay. We'll see. Okay, guys. So, let's go. We're going to start off with the first one I had, the best marriage advice. So, Lacey, I'm going to you. Best marriage advice. Mm, well, we, we... I think if anyone's listened uh, so far, they know that... Um, and, well, and actually, before we even got started, Michelle was just saying how we're all, the three of us are in such different seasons of, of life and of marriage and of, of motherhood. And so I know that um, I haven't maybe not been married as long, but we've been definitely through a, a ton of just ups and downs and experiences in our marriage. And I feel very <laughs> uh, ill-equipped to give marriage advice is the point. But I will say that marriage is a choice. And I feel like it is so important to wake up every day and just choose my husband with the ability that God gives me to do that. And, you know, I think it would have been so easy so many times to say, oh, well, I don't feel as in love as I did two weeks ago or, mm -hmm. you know, on that time we were in Vegas or whatever, but Celine Dion, we felt very in love at Celine Dion in Vegas. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm, however, I'm you off. You're at a minute and three, Elizabeth. Oh, we don't each get two minutes. Okay. Well, she, no, I said collectively. Oh, I did not pay attention there to we the go. directions. <laughs> did not pay attention to the directions. Okay. I cut her so, off. Go. so my children are going into the ninth grade, going into the sixth grade, and I've got a three-year-old. And my two oldest children, I think I've mentioned before, have, um, you know, they're dyslexic and they um, have ADHD. So the fact that we have a ninth grader, we're on the home stretch of one being out. So from four years, one is out. Um, three years after that, the other one is out. So the biggest marriage advice I have for people that especially have children that I will say hijack maybe a lot of your emotions, mm -hmm. that they need a lot of your attention, whether whether they have dyslexia or not, they're just in that middle school, high school zone, and they need you running them everywhere, and they need you helping them with homework, and they need you solving their problems. And then for us, add on top of, 
all the things that come with, you know, advocating and stuff with school. Boom. So, so here's my biggest advice. Do not let your children hijack your marriage. They will leave the house. You, however, are not. When they leave, you stay. And so you've got to learn to choose each other, like what Lacey was saying. You still got to like each other. You still have to like each other even yes. after the kids leave. I do want to say my biggest advice would be nobody else loves your spouse like you do. So when you're frustrated with them and you have all of these things going on with them, be very mindful of who you are venting to. Everybody's got to have somebody to vent to, or maybe that's a journal, or maybe it's, maybe you don't vent to anybody, but when you are venting to someone, you've got to remember they don't love your spouse like you do, and they will form an opinion based on your complaints. So don't be talking about your boo. uh -uh. Definitely not to your immediate family. Mm. They don't love him like you do. Right. Mm -mm. Guys, that goes for you, too. Stop talking about your girl to your mama. Stop. <laughs> okay. This is a really good one. What's the difference between you and everybody else? Okay. So it's the thing that I've probably struggled with since high school, and I can, like, legitimately, scientifically, and mathematically prove <laughs> that I'm different. That she, she's different. <laughs> so, she when so you weird. take when you take disc profiles or Enneagrams or any of those things... My personality type is only 3% of the population. So it's a very lonely island. And so for 100 people, <laughs> there's three <laughs> like me. So right. me and those other two girls would go hang out. So what's different about me? Go read up on type eights on Enneagram. Go look at your Ds on the disc profile. I see the world very differently, I guess. And I see you as someone who's just trying to figure out no is never an option no matter what it is, figuring out. There's always a solution. Always. And not everybody feels that way. Right. Lacey, what makes you so different from everybody else, sister? We have the same exact Enneagram. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're a 7 6. She's a 7 8. I'm a 7 8. Oh, my bad. How do I, ooh. Mm -hmm. We are literally the exact, but there's so many differences. Yeah. And I think that's so cool that, that, mm -hmm. you know, I love, like, we all love the Enneagram, but it still doesn't box any of us in. Michelle and I are, um, I think we have so many things that we understand about each other, but we like we're all like snowflakes. Like we can still be so different, but have I the like same that. snowflakes. Um, yeah, we can still be. There's so the all snow. Everything is a but, spectrum mm -hmm. uh, on the enneagram. So this the seven the seven wing eight spectrum is still really really broad. You know, I think that as I look back over my career and even even as a to a young child, I've relating to people and meeting people where they are is something that I either put so much more energy in than people around me or, or I've always felt that way. So a lot of times like I can have the same type of, or the same depth of a conversation with my 65 year old friend whose husband is going through, has dementia as I can with, you know, a college girl that has, was working for me. I try to go deep equally as deep with everybody I can, you know, and, and who are in different stages of life. And I think that that's, leaves me spending a lot of energy getting to places with people who are at different places in life. Does that I make agree. Sense? No, and I totally agree. I think it's awesome. Right, babe. What's she? So I think what makes me different is um, I waited a long, I've always been told my entire life, oh my God, you have so much energy, so much energy. Um, and when I think about that, I always, the very first memory is Freddie Mellon's um, uh, football <laughs> player. Do you know him? Uh, who doesn't know him? <laughs> Look okay, him up. Google well, search him. Now Freddie you know Mellons. him. So Freddie Mellons in fifth grade, um, I had a Snickers and I had a Coke and they were both in my desk. Like that was my snack for lunch that day uh, or for recess. And I came back from the restroom. You know, you go to the bathroom, you come back, get your snack, Did he go eat outside. your Snickers? No, but he was sitting on my desk holding 
my Snickers and my Coke. And he said, Michelle, you can have one or the other, but you cannot have both. <laughs> and he didn't mean because he wanted one of them. He meant, settle down. You do not need any more. <laughs> Pick a team. Yet so, another way that our Enneagrams are different. I, you got all my energy. Yeah. And so, you know, later in life, the Lord blesses us with triplets. We have a Drew, and Drew is might as well be four kids all in one. So he does all not of need that Coke energy, and Snickers. He doesn't. And all of that energy <laughs> is still here and it's there for a reason. And that is the one huge factor that I see about myself that I I can't really find another person to relate to. And I, I love it. I can't shut this off. It's awesome. Okay. So have you ever abandoned a creative idea that you believed in because others thought you were absolutely crazy? Oh, I thought you were going to say because you're a seven and you abandoned most things <laughs> that you start. High five, sister. Okay, no. Sorry. Can you read the question? <laughs> And I'm over here like, answer is, heck no. I accomplish all goals. <laughs> so, like, is that an option to not complete a task? Like, so is that a, even a thing? Who doesn't do that? Another thing with the seven is we try to, like, we're already answering before we even hear what is through. So it's like, ooh, pause, wait, what was the end of that? So repeat. Okay. Have you ever abandoned a creative idea? So have you just totally given up on something because others thought you were crazy? Absolutely not. 100% agree. I have not. Not for that reason. I mean, right. No, I mean, other people's opinions are none of my business. I mean, we hear that all the time. Right. Old girl from Girl, Wash Your Face. That is not new. I've thought mm-hmm. that way my entire life. I mean, great. I'm glad she brought she it. She pinned it and made a graphic out of it, but. I, I just give, and I've said this before, I give zero energy, to zero emotional energy to, you know, to that, to other that. people. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I want people to like my stuff. I mean, like right. if yes. I, especially a creative idea, like if mm-hmm. I curate some cool Instagram post or something like sure I want to like but if they don't I don't think any less of myself for it it's still cool I've always thought yeah I just learned how to do something different next time and then when everybody else sees me like rocking whatever that is well high five sister you were also the one that was looking at me like I was crazy six months ago so I also think that like you at now it's you can still have the you can still take feedback and and allow yeah. people's like genuine feedback to help because they want you to be better you in that. to get better. But I've also been like I've had a lot of creative ideas and either people just thought I was crazy because I have a lot of ideas because that's just mm-hmm. I'm an idea person and I'm not a follow through person all the time. But just because they think oh here comes Lacey with another crazy idea, which if anyone who's ever been a client or a friend of mine, like they'll laugh at, they, they hear me say that all the time. Oh, here, you know, or I hear them say, Oh, Lacey's got another idea that doesn't deter me just because they think the, you know, that it's crazy or it's another idea or mm-hmm. here come, you know, whatever, or that that's just my MO. That's definitely not deterred me. But I also think it's important. Like if they have valid things like, Oh, you could improve upon this by doing whatever. I'm totally open to that. I'm just not open to like them shooting it down because it's no. creative, you know? Ooh, y'all. If you could clone yourself, what characteristics, like if you had the option to pick and choose and you could leave something out, say you could leave out three characteristics, what would they be? Elizabeth. Okay, so I've got two daughters. I have one that's pretty much an identical clone, and then I've got one that's a better version of me. My middle daughter, my daddy asked me all the time, you know, he's like, what do you think your kids' Enneagrams are? You know, and I know I know what the older twos are. Um, so my son is a seven wing eight. My daughter is a solid three, wing two, solid three. And I'm convinced that threes are like the most perfect humans on the planet. They're like eights, mm-hmm. but that 
have. I'm a, thinking of a three right now, and I'm like, oh gosh, she is. Yeah, and it's not that they don't have unhealthy characteristics. Every single number has an unhealthy right. characteristic. I just don't know about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm and they're. I mean, I could list them. I mean, and and my daughter falls into those, but. The difference between eights and threes, like they're very similar. They're very goal oriented. The difference between eights and threes, and what I love about Blake, my daughter, who is, I would say, is my clone, but the better version of, because she's got the things, the negative things out that I have, is that she cares so much about people. Eights sometimes will accomplish the goal and they'll go through people. Threes use people, they serve people. They, mm-hmm. They're very much competitive, they very much want that goal, but she has such a service mindset. And I mean, and it's not that I don't, it's just in my, in my natural state, sometimes I forget that humans are needed. Mm-hmm. My daughter wants humans. Right. Yeah. I love that. Can I just gain something? Can I gain <laughs> more? <laughs> are you <laughs> twisting the question? Let me go. No, I'm not. I'm not. Twisting. Rules, Lacey. Well, I mean, I, I'm still leaving it out. I just don't know how to say it. I would like to gain uh, a, a capacity of my brain that can consistently be more organized, even in my thinking. I would love more organized thinking. I'm actually pretty organized, like at home, like I'm pretty You just told us that you time how long it takes you to unload the dishwasher. Well, that's she for motivation because otherwise I wouldn't do it. You're trying to beat your last time. Yeah, competitive. That's my, I pretend I have a three wing because I have, everything is a, is a competition. Everything is a, you know, I have to be whatever with myself. But that's, I think I would just, I would love for a more organized thought process to have that. So I would leave behind my disorganized thought process. Mm-hmm. Good answer. What about you? I would not pass on the ability to, I don't listen. Hmm. I don't pause to listen. I'm constantly already answering before somebody even finishes. And um, You need to practice active listening? Girl. Yeah. And this nose, stop passing this on. That's the cutest thing ever. Oh, my God. But it's not. Like, my glasses, they always fall down. I have, like, this It's going to make you a cute old lady. Like, people used to call me flat nose and things. I think it truly is, like, the best nose. It's very iconic. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's super cute. She just called it iconic. I think those are, um, and thin hair. Ugh, stop passing that on too. I'm really thankful my kids got fabulous hair. Yeah, they do. Hollis's mm-hmm. hair is just amazing. Curly and boom mm-hmm. out there. Do you remember anyone you hated 10 years ago and does it matter now? Kinda, they are both like completely blank face. I'm trying to think of somebody that I've ever hated. I don't know what so my life I was like, ten, like. I don't know when 10 years ago was. Right. What year was that? Mm-hmm. So, like when I was graduating high school, I guess. Yeah. I mean, 2009. Ugh. You were graduating in 2009? Okay. No, fresh, well, the end of my freshman year. Maybe freshman just, just liked heavily. Like, for why don't you start? Why don't you start on this yeah. one, Michelle? So, I think the <laughs> only, I have only had total dislike or frustration from maybe two people in life. And one of those, yeah, I mean, same thing, same struggle, same everything. I try to continue to learn from it. I try to do better about my reactions with that person because um, I think when I was reacting to that person, I was making life worse, and that wasn't my intention always. My mm-hmm. my reaction was, but see, <laughs> this is why I'm feeling that way. You were trying to justify your own. I was trying to justify my own feelings and instead just constantly adding fuel to that fire. And so now I just avoid it. I'm like, well, you know, it is what it is. If you know, now That's kind of how I am, I would say. I, um, Move on. It's not real hard for me to figure out if something is serving me or not serving me. And I don't mean that like in a selfish way. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like 
I need all things to serve me. Right. But in a negative capacity like that, like if we are just not connecting or we are just that mm-hmm. dislike is happening there, mm-hmm. you can't make that happen. No, you can't. And even when it's family, you cannot make that happen. And so I've just kind of – for a while now, I mean, I'd say college, I started learning very quickly. You give somebody so many chances and then you just kind of go, you know what? This ain't going to work. And so you just cut ties. and. Yes. You go be happy and I go be happy and I'll be perfectly honest, like, sure, I sometimes snoop on those people on social media and be like, are you happy? And sometimes you can tell they are, it was a good thing. They are happy. They don't, you didn't add to their happiness either. Oh, mine's, yeah. And then other times you'll go back and you look like you're still your miserable, pitiful Mm -hmm. self. Like I'm, and like, and I do feel sorry for people like that. See, and my perspective is, I think that maybe the person I'm thinking about, they probably have a lot of the exact same thoughts about me. Absolutely. So I'm like, you know, I have stake in that too, just because my perspective isn't their perspective. They probably have a lot of the same frustrations with me. We're just seeing things from two totally different perspectives, which means we're never going to come to agreement. It's never going to be And that's okay. And that is okay. You do not have to be best friends yeah, with everybody. you don't. Well, I had just been through Rush, now that I think about it. <laughs> and in 2009, Rush, you had just been so through a, a Southern <clears throat> University. SEC so, town. Yes. I actually had a hor- like really horrible, um, really tough Rush experience and that I wasn't expecting. And it really caught me off guard. And I remember thinking, and I think this is like maybe one of like the nuggets of gold we've shared on this podcast, because if you have kids that are going to go through rush, like rush can be devastating for so many reasons, just because from like a self-worth standpoint, like all these super intense things. And I remember feelings like, I love this question because I remember the feelings then. And I, and so many people told me actually this exact quote, like in 10 years, this will totally not matter. Right. And they're so right. Like I, I couldn't see, the forest for the trees and I couldn't see what what was going to come out of my college experience because of what happened to me you know during rush or whatever I got cut from my and legacy yeah I mean but but in the moment like in the moment those are because also you're at such a critical time in in life like (laughs) who are you going to be when you grow up coming out of high school and whether or not that was a good experience and Mm -hmm. um you know trying to find like what's my place going to be like on campus or whatever and those are just big things honestly like at that time in your life it's one of the biggest things that's happened so far like you haven't had a you haven't fought with your husband yet you haven't (laughs) you know and you're being heavily judged we go through life saying don't judge others don't do this don't do that but then you're just up for your auction yeah and so anyways i just remember i remember those feelings now which i don't I don't. I haven't gone back to that that moment in so long. But that's so interesting because, I of course, like it didn't matter where I landed. I met the most incredible people. I'm, you perfectly and, and, landed at the perfect place. And now, ten years later, hey girl, ten years later, you could be really even better friends with the people who were mean to you in other house or whatever. Like, yeah, none of us even think about that anymore. Like, it was so crazy that that was even you know. So, this in that situation, um, ten years later after rush. Uh, can look a lot better than Rush Week. (laughs) (laughs) I listen to the word entrepreneur, and I think, to me, entrepreneur is something totally different. I I hear people use the word all the time, and to me, entrepreneur is truly figuring out a solution or creating something that's never been done before, ever. And another perspective is other people see it as just just being a... Working for yourself. Working for yourself. So would you take a chance on something... If the odds were 50-50 on success or fail. I do it all the time. 
I, I do too. Yeah, we're probably a, a pretty hopeful crowd for that <laughs> statistic. We're all going to jump because, I mean, really. Uh, I just, re- I think I go back to my own work ethic. Like, why I are feel you, like I'm gonna, I'm betting on myself. Yeah. I'm not betting on the product. I'm not betting on the company. I'm not yes. betting on the, I'm betting on myself. No, do, yes, you yeah. do your due diligence and you make sure that your ducks are in a row and the financing is there and the or products something are you solid. In. Yeah, I mean, like you have to have like those things in mm-hmm. place, but I think that's part of of the fifty percent chance it's going to work, and if it fails, and I feel what is like failure? I'm going to be able to give. I feel like my effort or my hard work is going to be able to push it past the fifty percent, absolutely, or, or be the thing that pushes it over the edge. Or we're going to learn what to do different next time, right. so that we're not. You know, the odds are even better. If my husband was here, he would say, "No, never." Mm-hmm. That is, those are terrifying odds. Yes, but he's a six, right? Right, and that that thank goodness for sixes. We need them. I need them. They keep us grounded. Will you break the rules because of something or someone you care about? Are you a rule breaker? Does it depend on the person? Does I'm not a rule breaker, but I'm I'm not a rule breaker. I'm such a rule breaker. I, but I skipped I, school. I did all of the things. I never snuck out of my house, but I am not I am not a rule follower. I feel like rules are called their boxes. They are confining. She is someone who is going to read between all of the it, ands, and these, and she's going to go, but is that really what it was saying? However, I'm not, I'm not into rule breaking. Like, if it works and it's a tried and true thing, you're only hurting yourself by, by what did you say, you ran out of the house or what did you say, you snuck I out? I never snuck out. Okay, but I you, skipped school. You skipped school. Okay, you're only hurting yourself in that situation. Like, I never did things like that. However... I had fun. Speak for yourself, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Y'all had a really good time. No, I, I, um, I, if I, if you just said like, are you a rule breaker? I would say absolutely, and like my husband would say, of course, like absolutely. But like, there's certain things like traditional rule breakers, like they're going to go park in the handicap spot, right. and they're going to like, right. like those are no. things that I'm like mm-hmm. psycho about. Right. Like I would, n- like I cannot stand. There's disrespect involved in some. Rules. Yeah, like yeah. there's some things like that that mm-hmm. I truly like. I will if I if I see somebody littering like I right I will go like take their tag number y'all. This woman does not have a microwave in her house, so when she <laughs> says that she is this psycho about things like that, like she, we'll talk about how she boils water later. Okay, hey, it's awesome. But anyways, I so there's some things like that that I feel like a traditional rule breaker may not may or may not care about, and I go overboard on those things. But like. I missed 42 days of English my junior year of high school. And I just knew, like, that was going to be fine. She knows that. Like, that was going to be, I was just going to make that work, right? Like, that was going to be okay. So in that sense, like, sure, we'll just ask. I'm more of a ask for uh, forgiveness forgiveness instead of permission. I would say that as a, as a rule in here, <laughs> talking about rules, I don't know that all of us even know that there are rules. Yeah, I don't. It's not that we're breaking them. It's yeah. just we make them. Rules are usually news exist? to me after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> I even think about things with my children. And when somebody is saying like, shh, be quiet or like, yes, there is a place to be quiet. But in this particular setting, like, why are you saying shh based on a reaction? Oh, yeah. Some things are like formalities or yeah, something. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. What, why is that? Yeah. Well, what? the best is like when you get pulled over. You're on a four lane highway. You know, it's it's a 70 mile an hour. So you're going 79. You know, 84. Whatever doesn't get you a ticket. But anyway, so, and you're like jamming to your favorite song, and you don't realize that the four lane highway turned to 45, you know, 40, and you're like, it's still a four lane highway. This has happened to and her. And you get apparently. pulled over, and you're like, I didn't even know it turned to 45. And he's like, ignorance is not an excuse, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That's so that's that's, that's the thing with people that aren't aware of the rules is ignorance still is not an excuse. Like the rules still exist, whether or not you're playing by them, whether you're breaking them. That's true. Yeah. I, I, rules are usually news to me after the fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but ignorance is not an that's, excuse I have learned in life. very true. If you could travel to the past, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know that this isn't so much advice as it is like an affirmation, but that I was so advanced developed physically at, mm-hmm. as a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. So like I was wearing like an underwire bra and like <laughs> I had like already started my cycle, like crazy things for a 10 year old in life needed an underwire bra. Yeah. So <laughs> I was, so that was like third or fourth grade. And so I, I was developing so Ten fast. 10 is fifth grade. Mm, not for me. I was held back or whatever. So I, fourth grade. Got mm-hmm. it. So I was. Okay. So let's just I pause that for a minute. Told, so you're a tall girl. Yeah. Like, I was, I'm tall. an Amazon. So th- that was my point. Like That's I another, was five probably seven or eight. I mean, I was real, I was like extra. I was like, mm-hmm. I felt like a freak to be mm-hmm. honest. And like, I was, but I was also like trying to do like cheerleading. Cause you know, those are the ages Little where like things. you do all those things that no, you're, no one, you don't have to be good at yet. You just do yeah. it because your friends are doing it. Right. And I would have just told myself like, you're going to like, this is going to be fine. You're going to be beautiful and you're and not, gorgeous, and everybody's going to want to be. <laughs> well, no, but like, you're just, you're not, you're not abnormal. Like this is just part of the process. Yes. Like somebody, you know, my, my friends, I felt like I was robbed of, of a, of the, my, not littleness, but like my friends no, were still chopping at, at those cute places and like they could still whatever. And so I just would go back and tell, like, say like, you're going to be fine. Like you're going to be this you're going to actually get some things out of this maturity that you're kind of forced into but also like you know it's just okay it's okay that you that you feel one day your friends will like be jealous you're of your tallness 25 mm-hmm. at 9 or whatever so yeah at 10 what would i give advice of myself i would tell her you're not weird yes you're just different mm-hmm. and god is going to use your different so quit feeling weird quit feeling alone and don't doubt yourself and don't let somebody talk you out of that idea that you had that God was very intentional with making you like this so own it and go with it and quit allowing other people who don't understand you to make you smaller yes okay that's good advice and I think I would say so by 10 by 10 my um, parents our house had burned to the ground when I was five like literally burned to the ground there was nothing you could take out of it so my parents had also divorced. I'd lost a grandparent that I had, like, stayed with as a child. I lost my papa. My parents had also both remarried, and I had a new half-brother on the way, cutest baby ever. I think I would, have t- I would tell myself, stop questioning everything your parents are doing. Yeah. Stop trying to figure everything out and just worry about yourself, you know? Because I feel like, the, and don't date that boy in high school. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that all of ours was like the outcome is going to be okay? It's going to be fine. The outcome, yeah, yeah, and and that in that time we didn't have any control over the outcome. No, no, we're children. We are yeah. the shrapnel mm-hmm. of other people's decisions. And like you were yeah. talking about, you felt like it was your responsibility to figure out. I was trying to figure everything out. Like, why is all this happening? What is going on? There is no social media. There's no internet that says, hey, this is going on in other people's lives too. And, you know, I went from an academy to a public school also before that time. And, like, all of these things, like, so much had changed. And I was just trying to keep up. And, and children, I guess this is a ooh. good time to kind of you know, pause for just all entrepreneur women listening is realizing your children watch you. 
They are watching you. They are listening to you. They are getting their identity based upon you. Yes. They I are trying mm-hmm. to be like you. They're trying to emulate you. Mm-hmm. Be careful with that. Because mm-hmm. not every single spawn that we create is going to be like us. Like I talk about my daughter that's like me or whatever. My three-year-old may not be. They're both watching me equally. In fact, it's really funny. Like my baby, she'll go, is this beauty counter or is this beauty counter? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, and she made her a um, a little makeup set out of some blocks or whatever. She said, I have beauty counter. She's watching me, and that's great. But at the same time, beauty counter may not be for her when right. she grows up as far as like a business, like it was right. for me. And I can't impose, mm-hmm. like you're going to be an entrepreneur because mama was an entrepreneur. And sometimes our children may feel a deficit feeling that they have to step into their mother's shoes, yeah. that they don't feel like they mm-hmm. can feel mm-hmm. you know our little girls they wear our, our, our high heels and stuff all the time because they want to be like us but those little feet don't fit in there right yeah and so i just feel like that's a good time just to kind of pause and be like make sure your children know that your decisions are not based upon them they don't ride and die on them nor do you expect them to emulate you mm-hmm. they are their own separate island that deserves individual attention aside from what yeah. you're doing or your marriage is doing or your relationships in general are doing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, just as an entrepreneur mom, I see myself sometimes being maybe too big of a force and my children watching that. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sitting here thinking about that and I'm thinking about all of my kids. So what they, the way that I currently see them bouncing off of me is Hannah, for example, she knows that mom's always going to be late. Mom's always going to forget. Mom's always so they because so, mom's business busy doing her entrepreneurial thing. So like Hannah literally has in her iPad. She also has a like our family Google Calendar, and like Hannah is like reminding me of every like throughout my phone things will pop up, and she's like, "Today is the last day of jail, which school. is school." <laughs> mm-hmm. So all of those things. So I see them reacting to my weaknesses. Um. But, yeah, they also use some of my words. And, you know, sometimes my words aren't. (laughs) I use four-letter words. Like it and in the, you know. Mm -hmm. I just, I get that from my mother. I mean, I can't help it. Doesn't make it right. Which makes you happier? To forgive someone or to just be frustrated and accept it and move on? Well, I've tried to do both. I've tried to, I think the hard, the hardest thing about those things is that I've tried to forgive someone in a, for a situation and accept it and move on. Cause we need it sometimes, to be right. Yeah. Like we need everybody in agreement <laughs> because sometimes it feels like, okay, well, I've forgiven you and why some, haven't you forgiven me? Why are we not or, happy? Yeah. Or why is it not fixed? Like, why doesn't that fix the problem? And the truth is sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes, because I think forgiveness is really important whether or not it's resolved or not. And and I think that if we, you know, there's been hurtful situations in the past that we've all already talked about that, that I've, I've just had to say, I've had to accept the reality of that. It's probably mm-hmm. not going to, forgiveness does not have to come with a resolution or, or to with a, with a solution. Yes. Um, exact same perspective. They can exist separately, unfortunately, or together. Um, but I, I think that's the most important is that is that we really need to be able to to do both and to accept that it doesn't forgiving someone or or accepting forgiveness from someone doesn't isn't always going to come with a solution. So sometimes we have to move on. So I have one final question because I think on that one we were all pretty much. Well, I was going to mention something about that is that we also have to remember we are not God. God is the only one that has the ability to forgive and forget. We are human. 
you know, so we carry we carry the weight of the, the situation, emotion the it. emotion of it, right? Um, and in that, I think there's a very there's a very important dialogue that needs to happen with forgiveness, and it starts with "I am sorry." I am sorry for the part that I played in this demise of whatever. And you that call took it, me years to figure out. And you've good. got to be specific. Like I'm, I'm sorry if I hurt you. No, mm-hmm. it, I'm sorry that I hurt you. That's not even good enough. It's mm-hmm. literally I am sorry that I hurt you by calling you mm-hmm. fat because at a country club's pool. Because other people need that. In, or asking questions, yes. like how how did I hurt you? Like that's even, because sometimes that's even you, harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then listening, is. yeah, and then saying after the end of like I'm sorry for calling you fat mm-hmm. at the country club, but whatever. And then she goes, well, you know, thank you for saying I'm sorry. And then and then you end it with, will you please forgive me? Mm-hmm. You've got to Ooh, ask for okay. it, and she's got to give it. And then at that point, I feel like an amount of resolution can happen because mm-hmm. you've admitted that you did the wrong. She's accepting that you did it. You've actually called it out. And then she verbally said, yes, I forgive you. Or no, I'm just not ready for that yet. I'm still hurt. Can we talk about this again in a week? It gives them the opportunity to be like, I'm not done hurting. Yeah, and I think, I think it, you, yeah, you can get to a resolution in forgiveness. I'm just saying that doesn't mean that that, and I, that doesn't mean that a relationship is going to be absolutely. possible after that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes the burden off of both of you. Yeah, that it yeah, was never forgiveness, yes. not just because without doing that, um, that was a huge issue for me in a situation. I went a very long time without realizing that I needed to say I'm sorry because I actually hurt someone else's feelings. I thought, dude, how are you not understanding what you have done here? But there was also. The flip side. There was a flip side, and I could never wrap my brain around that, but that didn't mean that person's feelings weren't hurt. And it's also not your job to require them an apology from them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wrapping up, I want to know, last thing, do you feel like you've gotten to a point now that you have a dream, a plan, and do you follow that? Like, do you have something that you are seeking out and you're trying consistently to achieve that? Do you have a dream that you are working on or working towards? Oh, for sure. And that's huge because I've never been in a place in life where I could see myself doing what I'm doing for the next X number of however. Mm-hmm. Even when I remember, op- you know, I remember opening my Pilates studio and thinking, I just wondered, I was like, I really wonder what this is going to look like in five or six years. Um, and not that I wasn't, not that I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just mm-hmm. was like, what, you know, as a person who really loves change and I thrive on new experiences, like I just feeling nailed down to something, I think is something very scary or feeling like that, that I'm going to be that person behind a desk for 35 years in an office. Like there's truly nothing more terrifying to me than being like in that sort of you know, like, and I'm mainly talking about work here. And so having a job now where I feel like it is so, I really can see myself really doing this for the duration. Um, And then as far as a dream and what we're working towards, just working towards being able to be relevant to my family, but also having more flexibility than I ever could have dreamed for my family and to be able to do that simultaneously to raise kids and to travel. And then like a, just a random, like off the wall dream would just be to expose my kids to, and my family to so many, to so many more life experiences and like cultures and travel, which we've talked about before too, Mm -hmm. but that is just so exciting and important to me. And I don't think I would have in another job or in another 
thing I would have chosen to, to do that necessarily over the next, over their childhood, you know? Mm-hmm. So I use this book. It's called Cultivate What Matters. Um, definitely check them out on Instagram. She is a book reader, and I have, even though I'm a book reader, I've made fun of you so much for this. Well, it's a planner you- with no dates is the problem. Sort of. It's called Power Sheets. Uh-huh. And hashtag Power Sheets. Look that up. And at Cultivate What Matters. These girls are geniuses at drilling down. They ask very specific questions very systematically, and they make you cry. They drill down, like, how you're made, how you're wired, what gets you up in the morning. They ask these questions over the course of six months. And the the reason it's called power sheets is there's no way around it. Like, there's no sense in skipping. Like, I don't want to answer that. I'm going to go to the next thing. You have to stay in there. You have to power through it. And one thing that it's revealed to me is that no matter what I'm doing, it has to involve mentoring other women. It has to be where I heart and soul chest to chest, pour myself into other women. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that, and I've shared this a lot of the time, is that girls in general, humans, you know, in general, can annoy me. Like people that want to whine all the time and have problems all the time and want to complain all the time, like that annoys me. Like this, the the stereotypical Mm -hmm. female. However, the Lord has called me to encourage those that want to be encouraged. And I find so much value. And my dream is that, one day when I get to heaven, you know, those that have gone before me and those that come after me, like we're going to be at the gate waiting for each other, clapping, saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the Lord is just going to be saying, I know it was hard. I know you had to dig in, but you had a purpose and that I can get behind him and say, I was a, I was a part of that encouragement. And so that's that the, the cultivate what matters, the power sheets, like that is all revealed to me that... My dream is to get behind somebody else's dream. That's good. To always pouring yourself into something bigger than you. Absolutely. When I sold the biscuit shop before I was going to ever go into another career, my goals were always, um, I didn't have insurance. Mm-hmm. I didn't have insurance for myself. And so I wanted, if I was going to do anything, I wanted benefits. I didn't want to be tied to a desk and I wanted to be helping others. And unless I was doing those three things, I wasn't going to do it right at all because I would rather be at home, broke, cleaning my own house and having my own little happy home together than I would be doing something that just earned a paycheck. Making biscuits for your friends. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just didn't want to do anything that wasn't going to provide something for somebody else's life. And so um, I do marketing now with a hospice company, and I absolutely love that I am... It's a joyful experience for you. It is. I'm never behind a desk. I'm always meeting other people. I'm always talking to people. And I love being able to solve a problem or be there for people in a way I would have never imagined in a million years. So just that wanting to serve or help others, it's just all checks all your boxes. It does. And just because it didn't look like what I thought it might look like did mean it wasn't a wonderful fit. So I do feel like I have succeeded. And so right now I'm just trying to live that, you know, just live it. Well, I think a it's good cool feeling. too that all three of us in different ways said, my dream is to serve others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We want to make others happy. So y'all, thanks so much for being with us. Um, I hope this was a fantastic car ride, or I hope you got so many clothes folded while you're listening to us. That's actually what I do when I listen to podcasts. Do you? In the laundry room. 
I listen in the car. But you know what else I do? I screenshot whatever I'm listening to and I share it on social media and I tag folks. (laughs) That's so important because I know how important that is for the livelihood of a podcast. So I do that for them. Guys, please do that for us. Like it's so simple. If you are not already Mm -hmm. subscribing to us, like you just kind of happen to fall upon this, please press the subscribe button. It's huge. But regardless of the fact, please screenshot this, share it on your social media handles and tag at Honey Hush Hive. Or if you're on Facebook, it's just at Honey Hush Hive. You know, um, that is a big way that you can share with others and get the word out about what we're doing. Mm -hmm.